I want to share a, a word of scripture as we kind of jump into this story, which leads us all the way up to, to Christmas Eve. This comes from the Gospel of Luke. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Welcome to Providence. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you are here. And we are going to start um, the Christmas story right where Luke starts it. But it's sort of a a place that, that you might not expect. The Christmas story in the Bible actually starts with an aunt and an uncle, like Jesus' aunt and uncle. Any of you see an aunt or an uncle in the last few days? Yeah, how was that? Pretty good. <laughs> and the story for me, um, I don't know, you, see, you think aunt and uncle, right? And, and you think, well, that, that sounds like bit players in the Jesus story. But I'm starting to learn that there really aren't any bit players in the Jesus story. That the whole thing's kind of like we're all getting ushered into it. And for me, the story really starts, I don't know, there's something about the way that verse 8 starts. So let me, let's go back to it real quick. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. So once, actually just that word, I want you to hone in on for a moment. Once, would you say that word with me? Once, just say it, once. So not a few times, not every year this happened, but once, once. When Zechariah's division was on duty, so Zechariah was a part of a division. Some of you are a part of a division where you work. You can understand what that means, and divisions are called to do different things at different times. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, which means they were the ones at the certain time of the season to be called into the temple in Jerusalem. Zechariah and his family lived in the hill country of Judea, a little way out, but they came in because it was his job. He traveled for his job. And once when Zechariah's division was duty and he was serving as priest before God, it says that the lot was cast or like the coin was flipped and it was Zechariah's name. So not only was his division called to, the, to this one place, but actually Zechariah once <laughs> was asked to be the one who would go into the temple in a most holy place and burn incense. It was a way of kind of seeing the prayers of the people being lifted up. He was praying on behalf of all the people. And so it was this very exclusive thing for Zechariah. It happened once that he was the one priest who got into the temple to go into this most holy of places. And so there are some things that happen in our lives kind of like 
once, right? Uh, I had a, a once moment just a, a couple of, of weeks ago. It may not have been significant for you, but once I walked into the West Wilson Middle School Auditorium for the uh, debut weekend of the show Lion King Jr. Once. I'd actually missed the opening show because I was traveling back from Israel. And then I made it to the second show without sleeping the whole night before. And on jet lag, my body said that it was 3 o'clock in the morning when I sat down. But when I arrived, the reason it was so significant for me is because Serafina, who is supposedly just a bit part, you've probably never even heard of Serafina in, in Lion King, but Serafina was played by my daughter, Lydia. They said it was a, you know, just a, a bit part. She had one line that was one word, and she nailed it. <laughs> but when I sat down, you know, the lights went down, and the lioness troop came out. You might not have even noticed Serafina, but I did. Because for me, this was a, a once kind of moment. And uh, the reason I bring all this up, I was, I was going to try to describe to you how I felt when I saw her come out on the stage. Here, here's what I felt. I felt everything. Does that make sense? I felt like everything. I felt delighted. I was excited. I was happy that I made it on time. I was so proud, right? I, uh, I was a little bit sad. Some of you parents will understand this. I had this weird kind of sadness because, like, when you see your kid and she's 12, right? And you're like, she's 12? And there's this weird, it's just a weird kind of sadness. So I was feeling that. At the same time, I was feeling really tired. <laughs> and at the same time, just sort of full of joy. It was uh, all the feels, right? What the kids call all the feels. Actually, it's what Facebook moms call all the feels, right? You know, all the feels, it's just sort of like all the things. I've talked to people this morning, like, I feel all the feels all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) how do you control that? Uh, I'm like, I push them down. I stomp down the feelings uh, (laughs) most of the time. So (laughs) once Zechariah As an old man was called to go into the temple, there's four things that the Bible tells us about Zechariah. We're told that he's a priest. We're told that he did everything right in the eyes of God. We're told that he was old, and we're told that he couldn't have kids, that his wife was unable to have kids. Need to hear those again? We're only told four things about Zechariah. He was a priest. He did everything right. He was old, and that he and his wife had been unable, unable to have kids. And once, he got to walk in to the holy place in the temple. And it says, when Zechariah saw him, him is the angel. This is verse 12 and 13. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. So that's one thing he felt. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, the reason I brought up the four things about Zechariah is we know some things about him, but we don't know how he was feeling. And a lot of the times, people will know things about you. They'll assume things about the things they know about you and assume they know how you're feeling, right? because you're a certain age or because of certain relationships that you have or because of certain ways that you look at life, right? But they really don't know how you were feeling. So we don't really know how Zachariah was feeling, but we could imagine, right, that when Zachariah in this once kind of moment got into the temple, he was feeling, what, what do you think he was feeling? All the feels, probably. 
He was delighted. He was excited. Maybe he was sad that it was at this point in his career that he had this moment and not sometime earlier. Maybe he was laughing, you know, with the, with the guys of the other priests before he went in. We don't know. But we know that when we got in there, God said to him, I've heard you. You see it there? Your prayer has been heard. I'm going to push this a little bit further. This is more speculation. But maybe Zechariah went into the temple disappointed because this isn't how he pictured it. Maybe he thought, this is the pinnacle of my career and I'm old and I have no son to share it with. Did he feel resentment and pain and and loneliness of never having children? Did he go into the temple feeling the grief of infertility or multiple miscarriages? We have no idea. And you you may think I'm taking that too far, but I don't know. It says, Zachariah, I've heard your prayer. When when Zechariah went into this place where they thought God's actual presence resided, God said to him, I know your heart. God told Zechariah, I know what you're feeling. I've heard your longing. He goes on to say, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. Imagine it. Your wife, Elizabeth, you old man, is going to have a son, and you're going to name him John. So Zechariah and Elizabeth sometimes are thought to be bit players in the story, but their son we know is anything but a bit player. Their son, John, is the one who will be called John the Baptist. Maybe you've heard of him. He is the one that the other gospel writers, when they're telling their story about Jesus, in in most of the way, they start with John the Baptist as kind of a one who prepares the way because that's what Zechariah was told. Your son will prepare the way for the Messiah. Your son will make the way for Jesus. And that's what John did. He told people the Messiah was coming. And then in this kind of pinnacle moment, he ends up baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. A cousin and a cousin getting together. That's Christmas, right? But for this morning, just this morning, let's pause on John the Baptist and sit for a moment with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And if we're going to do that, then you're going to have to think about, you know, what you're feeling and maybe even what you're longing for. You see, our feelings show us a longing. Whatever Zachariah and Elizabeth were feeling, I've tried to guess, but whether they were disappointed or hopeful or resentful or delighted, and it was probably all of those things, their feelings show us what they're longing for. As their lives were getting close to an end, they were still longing for what? Kind of for a dream to happen, for something they'd hoped for. For them, it was a son. And that's what I see in the Christmas lights and decorations. Um, When we put all these things up, I think what we're really saying is um, we're longing for something. The, the decorations, the things we do for Christmas, they elicit feelings, don't they? And the feelings show us a longing, and our longings show us God's longing. If we're able to pause this moment, we're going to try in a minute to kind of sit with our feelings for a moment. I think that we'll see that actually what we're longing for is the same thing that God is longing for. What are you longing for this morning? What did you bring in here this morning? Sometimes our feelings and the reasons we don't want to talk about them is they just feel like a mess, Right? sort of a mishmash of all these different things. What if our feelings were given to us by God to show us a longing? Our emotions, most counselors and therapists say now, if we deal with our feelings openly and honestly, they will actually lead us to a place of health. That feelings aren't given to us and they're, they're not, there's not feelings that are good and feelings that are bad, but we feel what we're feeling and they lead us to a place of health. God's longing, I believe, is a dream for those who have quit dreaming. So if our feelings show us a longing and our longings show us what God's longing for, God's longing is actually a dream for people who may have quit dreaming, who stopped dreaming a long time ago. 
This next picture is a picture of Liz Reese and her friend Stephanie. They're kind of this powerhouse duo in the Wilson County area. How many of you know who Liz Reese is? Some of you guys know? Liz Reese is the executive director of Brooks House. Brooks House is a place in Wilson County that takes care of women and children who have nowhere else to go. And Liz has a dream for those who may have quit dreaming. Liz, this is how I think of her. Liz is the person the cops call in the middle of the night when women are in big trouble. They literally have her number and she gets up and goes. I don't know anybody that gets up in the middle of the night more than Liz Reese. And she has a lot of feelings. She's strong, she's convicted, she's passionate, but she's also, and I know Liz well, she also gets really tired because she's human. She can close her eyes and feel the disappointment of 100 women, and children, 100 women and children in our community. So she has a lot of things that she feels. And I've talked to her, and so I know that sometimes on the drive over in the middle of the night, Liz is feeling tired. She might even be feeling a bit older than she was a few years ago. But when she gets there and sees a mom and a child, she remembers that she is stepping into a holy place. And that for every woman she goes to save in the middle of the night, for her, it's a once moment. Once, Liz Reese came in the middle of the night. And so the Zachariah and Elizabeth story begins to expand our understanding of when these once moments can happen, not only in the temple. We began dreaming a dream together uh, a couple of months ago on our 10-year anniversary. If you're here new with us today, we just celebrated 10 years as a church, and we have begun to dream a dream together for our community. It's a really simple dream, and it looks like this. We want to see everyone fed. We know that there are hungry children in our community, hungry senior adults, and we are passionate about that. We want to see everyone fed. We want to see everyone free, and that relates to being free from drug addiction. What we heard from our police and and first responders is that the, the number one thing killing folks in our community is addiction to drugs, specifically opioid use. We want to see everyone free. We want to see everyone safe. That's why we partner with Brooks House and other places. We want to see the end of domestic violence and child abuse and trafficking in our community. We want to see everyone safe. And the last one is to see everyone ready. And that has to do with partnerships with schools. We want to see our kids ready to dream dreams when they graduate from high school in our schools here in Wilson County. It's a big dream, right? But do you know where it came from? It came from you all, and it came from feelings. One of these started, the one everyone fed in one way, started a a year or so ago, and I told you there were hungry kids at Rutland Elementary. We had learned from a gathering with principals that the school right there in the cafeteria, there were kids coming with no money for lunch money. And they were given one time in a semester, they could be given a soy butter sandwich. And after that, there was nothing for them. And so someone came to me, actually multiple people came to me, and they said, uh, we're not good with that. And what was happening is they were feeling something, right? And, and the feeling led us to set up a fund to help take care of that and partner with schools. Some of you remember a couple of months ago, that feeling led to us setting up that fund in every school in Wilson County Schools and the Lebanon uh, City School District. Why? Because we were feeling something. And the feeling led to us have a longing that something else different could happen. And big surprise, that longing matched up with God's longing that people could dream again. Now, if you're new to us, our biggest night of worship is Christmas Eve. Mark shared with you our service times. They'll be special and different for that Sunday and Monday. Uh, Last year, we had over 3,500 people attend. We also have, on Christmas Eve, our biggest offering, financial offering. Uh, Last year, it was about seven times what we normally have on a Sunday. And we give it all away. It's something that we think is important for the folks we give it to, but it's also important for us, isn't it? Sort of remember 
um, you know, this night isn't really about us. It's about God's big dream of Jesus um, helping other people to dream. So next week, I'm going to tell you uh, what one part of the offering will go to. So you want to come back next week, and it has to do with our partnership with schools, and you're going to think it's really cool. But the other part of our offering will go to Brooks House, to Liz and her team, and some of you who volunteer there. Last year, that was about $80,000. And the reason I bring that up this morning is I'm going to ask you, I'm asking you today to pray about what you could bring that night. It's a month from now. So this isn't an emotional plea. It is not an emotional plea. I'm asking you to think about and pray about and see where your feelings are, are leading to longings. What I want to, you're going to hear me say this every week, is I want you to come Christmas Eve and not just put something that you have in your wallet. I want you to have thought about it and prayed about a sacrificial gift that you can give so women and children can be cared for and prayed over and put dreams back in them. Okay? Okay. Here's what I learned from Zachariah and Elizabeth, and it's why I connect it to our Christmas Eve uh, giving, and, to, and it's connected to the scripture. No matter what you're feeling, you can keep doing good, okay? No matter what you're feeling, you can keep doing good. We bring a lot of feelings into the room. Zachariah and Elizabeth show us what we're told is that they continued to do the right things. Their dreams were not coming true. The things they hoped for had not yet come to fruition, and yet it says they continued to do, what is right, do what's right. Imagine what would happen if no matter how we were feeling, we said we're going to do good. If, if the Christians in this community, we were the consistent ones to say, no matter what I'm feeling about this or that, I'm going to do good. No matter what you're feeling, you can keep being faithful. So it's not just uh, doing good, Zachariah and Elizabeth show us, but there's a faith component to it. You're here this morning out of a faith component in your life, one that you already know or one that you're searching after. You came here this morning. You are the faithful ones to be here the Sunday after Thanksgiving, right? Look around. <laughs> Why are you here? Because you are continuing, no matter how you feel, whether you're tired, whether you had a great Thanksgiving or one that ripped your heart out, right? You're here this morning, no matter what you're feeling, to keep being faithful. The great thing about what Zachariah and Elizabeth show us is that no matter what you're feeling, you can also be real. So you don't have to come and pretend before God that you're something other than you're not or you're feeling something other than you're not. It's not appropriate to show your feelings everywhere you go, right? But before God, you can do that. We see that with Zechariah in that his prayer was heard. The next line that Zechariah says, he says, how could this be? He says, I'm an old man and my wife is an old lady, right? That's being very real with God because there's nowhere else you say out loud that your wife is an old lady, you know? <laughs> no matter what you're feeling, you can be real. When I had just uh, started in ministry, actually, I was just out of seminary. I had a two-year-old, and we had a new baby, Lydia, Serafina. <laughs> and uh, it was a particularly uh, sort of tight financially, financial time for us. I'd just gotten out of school. Rachel's taking care of these babies. I'm a, like a, a part-time preacher, hoping for a full-time gig. And so um, on a Friday, which was my day off, um, I would go and work for a moving company to earn some extra money. And it was funny, it was actually Armstrong Relocation. So I got to wear this shirt that said Armstrong, that's my last name, Armstrong Relocation. <laughs> and the way it worked, I learned, is you would show up and you would be working for the truck driver. So the truck driver was getting paid to move somebody's house, and then he would pay the guys that were helping uh, move at the end of the night. And so you, you, know, you wanna impress the truck driver. And on this one particular day, I was working for a truck driver named Don. And Don was one of those guys who was just kinda uh, rough around the edges, 
and he noticed early on that I was not a very effective mover. See, as far as Don knew, this was my job, and I did it every day, but really, it was like the second time I'd ever done it, and I was not, uh, I wasn't quite as big and strong as I am now, so you have to picture me, like, (laughs) different than I am now, and the rest of the guys on the crew were MTSU football players, you know, who are working, and so they were better movers than me, and he picked me out. It was like on Animal Planet when the, the lion picks out the weakest gazelle in the herd, and he begins to just kind of give it to me, right? He was that kind of guy that's just always giving it to somebody, and he chose me. It got so bad, him picking on me, that the lady whose house we were moving began to take up for me, which didn't help at all. And on that day, we, uh, Don's tractor trailer, 18-wheeler, couldn't get into the driveway, so we had to park it a couple of miles down on the highway. We had a smaller truck. We were moving everything into the smaller truck. We'd drive the smaller truck, and we'd unload it in there. So we're kind of moving everything twice. It was a rough day for everybody, right? But we got back to the tractor trailer truck on the highway, and Don says to me, he says, hey, I see that lady's taken up for you now. And I had had enough. I was feeling all of the feels, right? I was frustrated. I was embarrassed. I was working on my day off and wanted to be with my babies, right? I was feeling everything. And so I said to Don, I said, yeah, I guess, Don, I'm just not cut out for this kind of work. And Don said to me, to the back of my head, he said to the back of my head, he said, well, what are you cut out for? What are you good for anyway? That's what he said. And I set down my box. I'd had enough. And I turned around and I said, Don, I'm a preacher. And today's my day off. And I'm just trying to earn extra money. And this is what Don said. This was his response. He said, oh. (laughs) That was it. We finished unloading everything. He went to the guys back in the back of the truck. I heard him say to him, he said, hey, you guys go back and get the next load. Me and the preacher are going to stay here and talk. So I thought, I'm dead. That's good. It was a good ending. Um, I'm not sure I even had life insurance at the time. Don did something I didn't know you could do. He opened up the doors of this tractor trailer, like the, the trailer the sides opened up. It was a really hot, muggy day, and suddenly it kind of cooled down. We sat down. We hung our legs over the edge. The cars were going by on the highway. Don lit up a cigarette. He looked over at me, and he said, I'm 40, and I feel like I'm 60. He said, I've been on this road. It feels like my whole life, and I don't feel like I'm ever going to get off of it. And then he said, but I have this dream. And when I looked at Don, I still didn't like him. But there was this moment. It changed my ministry. It has a lot to do with what this church is about. There was this moment. God gave me one blink of an eye, and I felt like I saw Don through the eyes of God. And I said a prayer in my heart, and I said, Oh, my God, you have a dream for Don, the truck driver. And I learned that once can happen anywhere. When Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated the most holy place in the temple from everybody else was torn in two. And so with Jesus, these once, you know, back in their day, it was once Zechariah went into the temple, but now once happens on the stage at West Wilson Middle School. And once happens in the cafeteria at Rutland Elementary. And once happens in our training room back here where the kids are now, but on Friday night there'll be men from our community that sleep on the streets in Mount Juliet in Lebanon. And once can happen at your dinner table tonight, right? Once now happens all over the place. So no matter what you're feeling, you can keep dreaming. 
No matter what you're feeling this morning. Zachariah, we don't know what he was feeling, but you fill in the blanks. You guess. No matter what he was feeling, he could keep dreaming. I've asked the band to come back up because what we're going to do just for the next like two minutes is I just want you to think about what you're feeling and then see if that feeling might be connected to a longing, right? A longing that's inside of you. A longing that God has for you and for the world. I heard them sing, they were gonna sing this song during communion. I heard it and I I asked Shelby and Bonnie if they would sing it for us now. It's an old, old church song, but it's about this longing that's inside of the people of God that Jesus, the Messiah, might yet still come. Zachariah Jr., right? He said, no, his name is John. That's the name God gave me. And when, uh, when he gave him the name, Zachariah was able to speak again. And he actually uh, sort of sang a song. And what I want you to picture this, this morning, just as we head into this season of waiting for Jesus to come into the world, is an old man who started dreaming again. 
started dreaming for his people again, started dreaming for his nation again, started dreaming for his, his, his beautiful Elizabeth again. And in the cries of that little baby John are, are the echoes of the cries of the baby who would be born in Bethlehem. And in the cries of that baby, we hear the longing of the heart of God for all the people to experience uh, the, the redemption and the restoration of, of these things that are swirling around inside of us. Let us pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel, come into our world, come into our hearts today, God. Some of us came here this morning having given up on a dream, ready to throw in the towel. We pray today you would put that hope into our hearts that only the Spirit of Jesus can bring. 